Hey friends, welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to inspire, encourage, and ignite your kingdom purpose while equipping you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Be sure to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends so they can be encouraged. On today's episode, Pastor Kevin Erickson from Chelsea, Oklahoma, joins William Munden to continue our series of conversations with elders of the faith. Pastor Erickson shares his personal story, wisdom in ministry, and some entrepreneurial business insights. You don't want to go anywhere, so let's get into today's episode. Today, I have the honor of introducing you to Pastor Kevin Erickson, and today we're just going to hear some of his story and whatever he has to tell us. So I'm going to go ahead and start us off by just asking, um, tell us tell us about yourself, tell us about your story, and uh, how you really got you know, here today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, the Lord has blessed my wife and I, and we've had an exciting life together. It all began back when I was a teen, uh, and I had gone and had been involved in, if you can imagine, playing the sport we call ping pong. And I had gone to the U.S. Open in Caesars Palace, and this was in December of 1978. And I came back thinking that I was something special, and. Uh, at that same time, my older brother, Chris, had just come into the fullness of truth of this apostolic message. And he gave me a Christmas card that year that told me that, that we always were so close, but that from now on he was going to serve Jesus and I was going to serve Satan. And at that point was a transition. I'd always been involved in the Methodist church and where my parents attended. And um, it was at this point that things began to change. So I was uh, a young man in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I started attending a new church. Uh, Brother Glenn Howard was beginning a new work, daughter work in uh, Albuquerque. And uh, at that time, there were six of us attending. And it was an exciting time. It was life transforming. But unfortunately, I was only with him for three months and I, I had already paid to go to college all the way in Providence, Rhode Island and for a culinary school. And so I left within three months of having been filled with the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name. And so then I went to Providence, Rhode Island. I was all alone, my, no one there, no relatives nearby. And there, the Lord did some incredible things for me. It was the little things, but it seemed like when I prayed, the Lord would answer those prayers. And I, <clears throat> there in school, was able to invite a number of young people to go. Uh, it was an, interesting that at that time, 
the pastor there, Brother Joseph Dinwiddie, had just uh, taken over a very, very, very small church and they'd only been there one month when I came to college. And, um, and it was a new opportunity to become involved in the kingdom of God like never before. Through a number of ish- situations, uh, drugs in my dorm room with some of the people that were a part of that, uh, I eventually ended up living with my pastor and uh, was able to be, go through my college years with him in their home, and that was life-changing for me. That's what grounded me, and I could see a real Pentecostal family, and I could see what it meant to have daily prayer and what it meant to be thankful. And um, for those years, I'm ever thankful. And then the Lord blessed me that, uh, of course, it was there in school. I met my wife, who was also attending. Uh, she had been a f- faithful young lady in her parents in Catholicism, and she had gone to all girls' schools and uh, hardly knew that there was any other religions in the world. <laughs> Everything in her life was built around the Catholic Church. And uh, it was that first year that she all of a sudden found out uh, what the Bible said and some things that, were, that, were, uh, that affected her. And uh, at Christmas time, we carpooled a number of us young people and uh, we stopped and had dinner at her parents' home, and they thought I was a fine young man. But by the time we turned uh, and came back a week later, she told them that she was going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, then everything's changed. And within just a, uh, about one month later, her parents came and took her out of college and took her back home. And um, I continued on in school there. But the Lord has blessed us. We were married in 1980. And uh, we have two wonderful sons we're very proud of, both attending churches in the Tulsa, Sepulpa area. And um, we are now pastoring in Chelsea, Oklahoma. But the Lord has done great things, and we are so thankful for uh, what the Lord did. I hired on with a management company for food service, and they actually brought me to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, which is how I got to Oklahoma. Um, I, I, well, actually, before that, I spent two years uh, going and doing the food service at Oral Roberts University. And then I uh, ended up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and again under an incredible man of God, Brother Roy Moss. And uh, so I have to say, Brother Munden, that all my upbringing has been built around men who invested in me, men who I honored, men who, who believed the gospel. So uh, through, through your, your uh, time, your, your walk with God, um, uh, at the time, you know, it may not be so evident, but looking back, can you um, really talk about how God really ordered your steps and led your path? Um, the Bible says uh, that the steps of a good and a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And could you um, give us some examples of how, how that affected you? I think that one of the obvious places that I can point to in my life uh, was as God directed us to be involved in the kingdom of God in ministry. Uh, I never knew the right answers. I never knew uh, what I should do, but it was through prayer and it was through godly men that we trusted 
and we believed in that always would help us to think correctly and make good choices. And so I think um, uh, this whole process of growing in God, uh, not only having the, to, to know and understand the Word of God, but to have men that can impart and give you direction for your life is so important. And I, I want to credit ministry uh, as the very key feature that has brought us to where we are today. And I think it was not just men who talked about uh, some of the common things that we uh, used to put a feather in our hat, uh, the number of souls won or how many we had in revival and this and that. But I think it was uh, those men who, who spoke to my heart about what it really meant to uh, align myself with God's Word, to stop things in my life that were unhealthy and wrong, and to begin to live and have the right desires to, to know the Lord and to build my relationship with God and to be the Christian I should be, and then that my ministry would develop from that. Um, could you tell us about how God called you into the ministry and, and what that looked like when you first heard the calling on your life? It was during those years in college. Uh, I was very involved and went with my pastor uh, to, he was involved in the New England district and had different positions. And so we, uh, and he was faithful to everything that was possible to go to. And so I was a part of um, most everything. I, I was his driver. And so we would go together. And from that, I, uh, just a number of different events happened uh, in those college days. I went to my grandmother's church, which was a Methodist church, because she actually was halfway between where I lived in Providence and where my wife, Elaine, which wasn't my wife yet, but I was, I was going to see her and visit her. And, and it was at that time I would stop in and go to church with my grandmother, and um, it, they would have me speak, uh, though I was unprepared and, and uh, had no uh, surety that I was ever going to do anything, but people were interested. I took a number of young people to school, to, excuse me, to church with me while I was in college and uh, was able to do some, um, they weren't complete Bible studies, like through a Bible study program, but they were one-on-one -on -one times that I would sit down with them and talk to them about the Word of God. And all of those things were just uh, giving me that, that direction and always felt like I would go into ministry. I didn't know how, I didn't know what the steps were, but I just felt this, um, the Lord drawing me into this. And so it was actually uh, when I got to Bartlesville that I uh, stood here in this uh, Oklahoma district and met the board and um, I actually got my local license with Brother Moss as my pastor is actually where I became credentialed as began. And then uh, later I was pastoring in Ohio and um, uh, there I got my general license uh, later on still in Ohio because I had pastored there for eight years plus two years of assisting. Uh, I also got my ordination, uh, which uh, Brother Moss came and was a part of that also. So I, that calling of God, I didn't have any factual point where I could say God spoke to me in an, in an auditory voice and told me that I was going to be a, a minister. But it, it seemed like in every step in people that were in church and also those who were not in church, 
uh, were, were allowing me space to be able to uh, uh, implant truth in their life and uh, gave me room to be able to speak. And so uh, from one thing to another, I felt more and more assured in the Lord speaking to me then that I was going to eventually go into ministry. So as you're in, in, the, in your current phase in your ministry, um, what, are, what are some ways you're continuing to um, grow and continuing to further your knowledge of God, your walk with God, um, and just all around grow? So what are some ways you were intentional about doing that? I think that we have uh, three facets that I'm uh, trying to be intentional about. Number one is I, I want the people in the church where I pastor to grow and have the opportunity that I had. And I, I've, I feel strongly that I, I need to give them quality teaching. I'm not always saying it was impressive or it was well laid out, but I'm, my intention is to give them uh, Bible studies and preaching that will, will ultimately change and let them make new commitments to God and grow within. I, I feel strongly that the fivefold ministry is very important today, and I need help to be able to be an effective pastor in the church that I pastor. We are not large, but we are growing, and I one here and one there, and I'm thankful for that. But And so I the second phase of intention is that I bring in people, not only evangelists, uh, but I also am trying to bring in some key men that you may even have done your podcasts on that are in our section in our district that I esteem very highly that have been proven over the years to be men who want the best for the kingdom of God for people to grow. And I have uh, been trying to develop and bring those men in because I understand that as our church grows, I also am growing, uh, and I am taking advantage of times with them one-on-one and being able to ask them questions and to be able to develop there. Of course, thirdly is my personal um, trying to... Uh, I, I do not read all the latest books. I probably am going back a lot of times and reading many that I have a to, I've collected over the years. I do like commentaries. I do like to find out what different people think about different verses. And um, I, I do like to do uh, s- subject research and, and look in things. I'm, I'm not very well-versed in Greek or Hebrew. I can't, I can't uh, tell you any of the words, but I do appreciate learning what they mean and developing those thoughts. And, uh, and so with those three things, uh, I am trying to grow and develop. And, um, of course, our intention is, I suppose there would be a fourth area, and that is that I do want our church to be involved in the whole um, setting of all of our, what we're doing in the district, what we're doing nationally. Uh, I probably would have, be judged good and bad by people's view on if I'm involved enough or too much or whatever. But... But I do appreciate the fact that our organization has been very good to us and helped us to have the tools in our hand and the ability to grow and, and, and have uh, representation in our community. So you brought up, uh, you kind of discussed 
um, how you're, uh, you know, working to grow your church and everything, and you're working um, to try and be able to facilitate that and to grow further. Um, there is a minister, Adam Shaw. Uh, he has his own podcast, The Restorationist. Um, he has been to the Oklahoma District before, and something he um, talks about frequently on his podcast is um, capacity, building capacity. He uses the example of the woman during a time of famine, and um, the prophet told her to go take a crucible of oil and pour it into jars and fill as many jars as she could get. But that miracle was limited to the number of jars she could find. She got every jar she within their community asking neighbors and found every single pot and jar and filled it. And his point is that, um, you know, the miracle was limited by the capacity of the jars. And so could you, could you talk about what that means to you, what capacity uh, means to you and, and how you uh, work to build that? I think there are underlining, I think there are levels of people's development and commitment in the church. And I think ultimately we want the, the word of God and, and the spirit of prophecy and the desire of growth to be in people's lives that they become an individual living for God and not just being satisfied to say that they attend the right church in town. Um, and so I think capacity is limited by what their thinking is of what their value is uh, and what's required of them in the church and and what the Lord would like and expect in their life as far as developing them and growing in God. And so I feel like I, as a pastor, am uh, challenged to put within them, uh, obviously to grow their faith and, that, and to have a perception of what God wants to do in their life and then to give them tools to be able to grow and have a way. Uh, of course, uh, it's, it's one thing to, uh, you know, First John, for instance, uh, speaks about uh, the, the importance of, of course, we're, we're, we know that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But, but the second commandment is like unto it, that we are to love our neighbors ourselves. And so I use that, uh, that scripture text in order to help people to, to realize that God wants their capacity to grow first through this, their relationship with him, and then it will automatically blossom into their relationship with others. And it will not be contained to just within the four walls of a church facility, but it's got to reach in and be able to uh, touch our world. Um, our church has little to offer someone who thinks they already know what they have need of, money or food or whatever. And so we try to give them the best that we can. But ultimately, our effectiveness is if we can show them the love of God. That is the one true thing that will connect a person's need and to be able to bring them to the fullness of Christ. And so our goal is, is that we cannot show love until we realize or recognize love in our own life, our relationship with God. And so I think capacity is the capacity of, of, of perceiving God's interest in me as an individual and my challenge of being able to realize I can grow closer to him. His love is ever there and present, but I, I can grow 
and I can develop and I can make myself more available. I can become more useful. I can become more invested in the church service and to help others and to bring out the best in other people. And ultimately, I think the, the bottom line of a church is that I grow when I help others grow. I'm healed when I help others be healed. I develop as I help others develop. And so I build on that principle in our church. And I feel like we're trying to do that in our own family. We've done that with our boys. And I'm not telling you they're perfect. Uh, none of us are. But I'll tell you that I, I am very thankful for their desire to know God today. And, and that, point, that point on love, uh, I think, is really powerful. Um, it's something I, I don't think too many of us consider. But you, as you're explaining that, um, I definitely, I, I, I see that, that it is, it's that l- our capacity for love and the love of God within us um, that allows us to grow our capacity. So you've had much time uh, in, in, in the ministry and, and walking with God. There are things you've seen, things you've experienced, things you've failed at, things um, that you've stumbled over. And um, could you talk about some of those things that you've had to learn the hard way that you could, some wisdom you could impart uh, from experience? I think probably I'm one of those people that could tell you more about what you shouldn't do than I can about what you should do always. We have the, the basic principles of what it means to live for God, but it always comes down to uh, how I react how I interact in every circumstance that we are faced. None of us know what we're going to face today, uh, what's going to happen, what calamities we'll face. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's harder to to maintain that integrity with God when we're overly blessed than, the, than it is when we're desperately poor. But today I think that I have, I have failed uh, when I have lost my sense of balance in my own life. Uh, I have had several uh, positions in our district, and I can tell you clearly times when I was on on the up and up and doing good, and felt like we had direction, felt like we had a plan, felt like that we were fulfilling that plan. And I can also tell you those things where there were massive spaces where I should have already done things. I was falling behind, I was behind, and I didn't, I, I knew I was in a horrible position. Uh, and so I'm not proud of those things, but I, I'm going to take them being that I can't change it, and I'm going to use that to help me just realize today that my sense of balance, again, my worth, I'm not crediting that I'm more worth worthy than another person, but what I'm saying is how I feel my sense of worth is with how that God is able to work and use me, me in my life. And if I'm available, if I'm willing, if I, if I have prayed, if I've sought God, if, I, if I'm in a position ready to say, here, my Lord, send me each day. And if I'm not, and um, I, I can have great prayer life at home. I've got all my disciplines in place, my habits. But as soon as I go on a trip or a vacation, 
I all that is is out the door and I have to reestablish it because it's not as easy for me to pray in a hotel room. Um, and so that's just a simple example, but we are learning to adapt, but we, we have to keep that sense of balance with that base has got to always be strong that we know that we are available and ready to do whatever the Lord would have us to do. And so, and when I've lost sight of that, when I've had too high of highs, I'm thinking more highly of myself than I should think. Or when I have the, the bottom falls out and, and, you know, of course, all the things in between that can happen in our lives. I've got to, I've got to build a habit and a walk with God that allows me to be ready for whatever happens. Because we are going to face all of these things, good and bad, and we're going to have to have a solid answer to all of them in order to maintain because if the enemy can trip us up not only in our failings but he can trip us up in our glorying and we have to be careful that we can maintain and be that vessel that god can use so i'm i'm what i hear you asking me this i hope i'm answering this correctly for you uh, is that i i want to be and i i want people to be involved I, we need to have a healthy habit of, of schedules that we are doing things to help ourselves to step out, uh, uh, outreach, um, trying to teach a Bible study. All these things get me beyond my four walls or my comfort zones. And um, I'm here to sit here to tell you today that I, I am looking for new Bible studies even now. And so all of these things are things that I'm trying to develop in people's life because I think I have learn some hard lessons in my own life. And I realize today it's not just going to church and raising my hands and worshiping God and, and loving it when, he had evan when we have evangelists and, and enduring through all the Bible studies we have to endure through. <laughs> but it's a matter of being able to um, have the right frame of mind and this constant state of readiness is something that I learned in culinary school. One of the first principles they taught us was how to have everything ready so that you can do the job you're going to do and to do it well. And I think that that is a truth in ministry also. So while, while we're kind of on the topic of uh, balance, um, I would like to get your, uh, your input on... Um, so one of the commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is remember, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And um, how do you balance rest... Uh, with, with your ministry and with um, your your job, uh, if you have it, um, how do you balance all of that to make sure you're not burning out and you're not running out of steam and just collapsing? I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer that. <clears throat> we've we've always uh, kept ourselves busy. But I believe today I could give you an answer and say that I think a spiritual rest is as important as a daily prayer life is. That in other words, that you have to schedule it. I think that you have to uh, honor it. Um, truly the Lord uh, seemingly connects rest with spiritual things, if I can say that as a broad base. And um, 
uh, it's not just in uh, those times that we have, again, the heydays when we have a really good church service. We can't measure rest by those. We have to measure it by something that we're doing to have that alone time, that quiet time when we can sit in our chair and maybe not be doing anything, but just contemplating and being able to do things. I think that, of course, my time with my family is very important. Um, we've had rental properties all for the last 37, 38 years. Uh, and um, they have a way of demanding from you at whenever they need, want to. It's not a consistent schedule with those. And so we have uh, danced around sometimes uh, those seasons when we had more time available or less time available. But we've always known, we've always heard the men of God in our life tell us how important it was. And so it's always been an aspiration of my wife and I to, to have some downtime. Um, we haven't done any very many big trips, but we have, uh, we would have those times where we would get away and be able to uh, have a one day out or two days out and, and be able to make it short and have a rest away from home. I think sometimes just getting out of your city is important. I think sometimes we just need to have family time is important, a kind of rest. I think sometimes we need to have just a time where we would sit and ponder the Lord and his word. That's a rest. And um, I think uh, I've never been able to build a habit where I can in consistently incorporate those into my life. But along the way, I've, I've realized through the busyness of our schedule and things that we've been doing that we need to get away and sometimes finally we would come and we would make ourselves break away and do that. And so spiritual rest, I've, I've, I need desperately to have that time with God as important as my prayer life. I need to be able to sit and contemplate and think of the Lord. I told my wife yesterday that we... I've got to spend more time, not when I'm looking for a message, but when I'm just sitting at a chair alone and rather just thinking about the goodness of the Lord, thanking him for his blessings, or just considering what someone has written and, and, and contemplating it. My family time, I'm gonna to have to keep working on that around our schedules, but we will keep having times when we get away with them and have rest and those times with just my wife to have times where we can enjoy the lord blessed us so richly when we moved to chelsea um, it was totally a, a lord thing uh, we we were we had sold our home in bartles where we were living previously and uh, the lord had affirmed that we we should take the pastorate in chelsea if they would have us and they thankfully chose and said yes. And so we had moved over and we were living in the evangelist quarters in the church there. And uh, it was at that time when, uh, two years ago, when things were in the going crazy with the markets, real estate and everything, it was, it was unheard of. We, uh, the Lord just blessed us with more money I ever thought that I would get on the house we just sold. So I was thankful for that. And we just thought, we would just live in that evangelist quarters for a year or so, and you know until things kind of simmered down again, and then maybe we would 
you see what we could buy in the area. And uh, it was at that time that one day one of the men of the church called and said, uh, Pastor, I, I worked on a house four years ago, helped to build it. And he said, the family is going to have to move. He said, I hope you don't mind, but I gave him your number. And uh, we went, and it was uh, just a perfect setting. It was more than Elaine and I could have ever asked for. It was just a lovely home. And um, it's, it's set on a number of acres of land, so it is really peaceful. And um, um, a matter of fact, this yesterday morning, my wife, as we were getting ready to come here to camp, said, do we have to leave our home? Because it's just become a sanctuary where we can come back and rest and, and receive strength. And as it turned out, I could have never afforded it. And um, it was just beyond our scope, our ability. That was everything we could have ever hoped for and dreamed of. And all of a sudden, one day, a man called out of the blue and said, I heard you would be interested, might be interested in selling some of your rental properties. And, and it was just, it was the Lord. Because we could, we could sell those properties and as it turned out, and we were able to purchase and um, have ourselves in a way that we could live within our financial needs with a very small church. And, I, and we have counted that home now. It's, it's just a place that the Lord gave us for rest, to be able to leave all the busyness of life and just come home and, and uh, have a lovely place. And I'm so thankful today. I feel like the Lord provided that for us. I, it wasn't anything that I had planned. And I think that rest comes that way. I think the Lord has to help us sometimes. You're an entrepreneur. Let's put it that way. Uh, you own a business, or own a business um, rental properties. And so this podcast isn't just for uh, those going into um, the ministry, uh, but this is, this is for all... Uh, everyone in the next generation uh, who is uh, going up in the church to uh, advance the kingdom of God. And so could you talk a little bit about that sort of aspect, and um, the entrepreneurial aspect? Yes, when we moved to Bartlesville with my Marriott Corporation, is what I was working for, uh, doing their management. And, and <clears throat> Brother Roy Moss was my pastor. And Brother Moss, uh, uh, I don't, will never know what his income was or if he had any. Uh, I just know that they made do with what the Lord allowed them to have, and they were an incredible example of someone who lived a wonderful life for the Lord, and yet uh, um, uh, they gained their wealth incrementally, very slowly by buying rental properties where they could and and building that over the years. Well, they, um, <laughs> that's what happened with Elaine and I. We, we um, were there in Bartlesville and um, our first home we, had, we bought there, we bought from Brother Moss and, and that's the house where both of our boys were born and raised uh, in the early years of our marriage, of our, our days of our home, our family. And, uh, and through that, I also uh, stepped out and 
would buy a house here or a house there that was affordable that I could do. And Brother and Sister Moss, I, I don't want to say too much to tell on them, but they were, I think, to help us. They, we kind of made a pact together. Um, we actually signed a paper, but I'm not sure it would ever hold up in court. But, but it was just simply that we would agree that we were going to be a team and we were going to help each other and take care and build. And, um, and we just saw rental properties as a way to uh, not change who we were and what we were doing. Gave us, didn't take away our time to, to give our best for God, for the kingdom. Um, and, and as it was, the, uh, I had a very good job with Marriott. I, I was just getting ready. They started to talk to me about going, starting a training to become a, like a district manager, which would have, I wasn't, but I was just, I was uh, later on in my years in Bartlesville, I was the, the uh, director over the food service for the hospital in Bartlesville, Jane Phillips Hospital. And um, uh, I was doing great and things were going well, but I, I just felt like at, that was the point of which I knew God wanted something in my life. And I felt like that Marriott was, I had every kind of insurance. I had, I, I was so well taken care of. We were living within our means. Things were going well. And, um, and it was God dealing with my heart that we were going to go into ministry. Something was coming. I didn't know what, I didn't know how. I just knew something was happening. And, um, and it was at that time that one of the savings and loans in town, of which I had already bought a house, I'd already had a couple houses I'd bought, and uh, they, they were going to, uh, they were having problems. And so they gave me a stack of maybe 20 different houses in the area. They said, look at them, make us an offer. And this is just the Lord opening these doors for us. And so we did that, and we went, and, and I found four houses in that that I felt like, uh, you know, as Brother Moss would say, had the right things wrong about them. <laughs> in other words, you could fix them. They weren't, they weren't beyond fixable. And, uh, and so I came back and made an outlandish offer. They countered. We, uh, it was a time when interest was high on the house I had. I said, if you'll lower the interest down to a very low rate, um, if you'll give me so many dollars in advance so I can make the repairs, and if you give me a moratorium that I don't have to make the first payment for six months, I'll, I'll do it. And they agreed. And so I, was, I had an incredible opening for that. And so within the first month, I had them all rented. And, and I didn't have to make a payment for six months. And we were really doing good. And it was at that point that God called us to go in. And we actually went to Springfield, Ohio, and assisted and did the ACE school. My wife and I did the training uh, overview supervisory for the school. And, um, and it was because of that that I could walk away. I had enough income to take care of. I had bought in a house that was a much more mortgage payment than I would have had for a normal rental property. And I was going to have to rent it to someone. And I wasn't going to make all the money I needed to make it profitable but the other houses were going to cover it. And so then I could go leave Marriott 
and all the income and all the things, I, the perks I had, and, and to go and to start earning $300 a week assisting. <laughs> and, and it was just the Lord. But from then on, I, and I've never done a lot, uh, but, but whenever we had an opportunity and we would buy one, we would go in and restore it and we would rent it. And um, uh, it, it became something that I didn't know how I was ever going to get out of it. But along the way, I sold one here, one there, uh, but, but I still had, uh, you know, 10 houses. And um, it was when all this happened that, that a man just came in and bought five of them and just took them. And when that happened, so I'm, I'm down to uh, just a few now. And I'm thankful to be coming out of that where I don't have to do that any longer. But it was, I've, all, I've always wondered if it was, uh, people would ask if it, was a, if it was a good thing. And I would always tell them it was bittersweet. Uh, but I will tell you today that I thank God those properties were so good because it never made us big money, but it allowed us to gradually earn and be, have assets that were valuable. That's what it did for you. Uh, you're always cash poor. You never had money because you're, whenever you got money, it seemed like it always went out the door for costs and expenses, repairs, utilities. But, but always, uh, you gained influence in the community. You had a re new relationship with the police department, the fire department, with the city government. You, you had a new uh, status with the banks. Not that we had any lot of money or anything, but we were there often, you know, taking checks and things to them. And I thank God for that. It gave you a way to infiltrate where your ministry was. And then all the people we touched that came through as renters. Um, um, we, we've had a few come through and, and actually have a good story from them. But not a lot, but a few. And, um, and, and for that, I'm thankful for that. And so it gave me, I'm not telling you that rentals are good right now, of course, the way our economy is right now. Real estate is fantastic. Uh, land is much more valuable than the U.S. dollar right now. And uh, so uh, just as an investment, I would say uh, it's something to look at today. Uh, so... I want you to just, whatever you want to say to this generation, um, if you want to talk at something in, in, our, in, in the up-and-coming up generations, or if there's something you want to impart, um, and take your liberty with this, uh, just whatever you want to say. Thank you again for allowing me to be a part of this. I, I don't always know all the exact things that are different from one generation to the next. But I do know that there are some key values that every generation must have. And I pray that our young people don't have to learn them the hard way, but that they can learn them through giving of themselves in the kingdom of God. And, and by virtue of doing that, uh, they will become those adults, they will become those parents and grandparents 
and those who change our world uh, in a very positive way. And I think some of those are going to be, number one, always esteeming ministry, the leadership, um, the role of men and women who have committed themselves. I think that we need to be sure that we are esteeming them highly for their work's sake. I think that we need to um, take time and invest ourselves to be able to get closer to someone that you trust and to be able to truly learn from them. Because though they may not understand computers and iPhones like this generation does, and my grandsons can do more on them than I can now, however, uh, there are some things I'd want to be sure that, that they know and understand about people about the value of another person, about the integrity that we have of who we are and, and that what we represent is all based on our character, our desire to be the best we can be, our zeal and our passion for life, to live it to its fullest, our, our desire to be helpful and to be valuable in the kingdom of God, not just a goer, a church goer, but to be someone who actually is helping the church to progress. <laughs> to me, these are the basics. And uh, all the other things, technology, thank God for it. But it's all to simply serve that we can do these key things better. They shouldn't replace them. And so my challenge to this generation would be not uh, God blesses things that supplement the kingdom of God but he curses things that replace the kingdom of God in our lives. And so we build our lives on things that will help the kingdom. And by doing that, I believe that God will bless. We'll give every one of our young people direction for their life. We'll help them find the right uh, spouse that they want to marry or invest and commit their life to. We'll allow them to become the very best for the kingdom of God. And I am thankful today um, I was thrilled and privileged to go overseas for, the, for seven years before I uh, took the Chelsea Church. And um, in that period of time, I was able to go over on a number of trips. I think possibly over our ministry was about 22 trips. And I uh, seldom did I know their language. And I, they didn't they knew probably more of my language than I knew of theirs. But I, I went because I felt like God wanted me to be a help and, and to help our missionaries and to help in the kingdom of God. But what I found in that period of time was this, referring back to my original point of people importance, is that I built rapport and, and we saw some things that were of great value happen in those, in those seven years for the kingdom of God. And I didn't even know their language, but there was an investment in people. There was a care and a concern for, for what God was doing in their life. There was time that we spent and uh, to get to know them and to talk with their families. And it was those times that I feel like are significant. And even though I didn't know their language, I felt like that there was truly a language uh, something that was was given back and forth that was fulfilling and I felt like it really did help in the kingdom of God 
And for that, uh, therefore, I really believe in people. I believe that I know there's a lot of craziness, a lot of wrong, a lot of sin in our world, but, but God so loved the world that he gave. And I, I, if I could just be a giver, if I could just be valuable for this generation, not by necessarily what I have attained, but by, by the integrity of what I wanted to become for God, that to me is value. And that's what I hope I can give to my children and to all those in our church. Thank you. Uh, it was an honor to be able to uh, have this conversation with you. And thank you for all, all, that you, all that you said. I really, I pray and I hope that this will speak to others as it has spoken to me. And thank you for your time. Thank you for listening with us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you can stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.